This is Stir the Pot, a podcast all about food and the people that love it. Guys, now I know it has been oh, just a little bit of time since I recorded one of these, so I'm so sorry it's taken me a long time to get around to doing another season of the podcast, but I'm so excited about who we have coming on this season. Kind of behind the scenes, I have been recording episodes over the last few months, so I do have a bunch of episodes in the bag ready to go, and let me just say, they are some of the best episodes we have ever done. Some amazing, amazing guests. Today's episode is with the brilliant David Leibovitz. He does not need any introduction, but you know you will know him from his amazing website, davidleibovitz.com, which is one of the oldest food blogs around, and it has stood the test of time. It's an incredible website. David has a great sense of humor and wit, and his writing about his life in Paris is always infectious, and his recipes are so good. Everybody knows you can trust David Leibovitz's recipes. So I'm really excited for you to listen to that episode uh, later in this podcast. But just to say what's coming up in the rest of the season, so far I have recorded episodes with the amazing Helen Goh and Otto Lenghi, the authors of uh, the book Sweet. And, and for the record, I think that's going to be one of my favourite episodes of all time. It was an amazing conversation and I was thrilled they agreed to come on the podcast. So I can't wait for you to hear that one too. Um, we also have guests such as Jose Pizarro, who's an amazing Spanish chef here in London. Uh, he's coming up in a few episodes time as well. So I'm really, really excited and I cannot wait for you to hear what's coming up in this season. As always, you can drop me an email at stirpotpodcast at gmail.com if you have any suggestions or you just want to chat or you want to, you know, maybe recommend a guest for a future episode. As always, if you like the podcast, I ask one thing. Can you go to iTunes, leave a review and uh, tweet about it, Facebook about it. It's the way that the podcast will get seen by more people, which enables me to interview more people, more fascinating people. So um, go do it, please. But with that, I'm going to let you get straight into today's episode with the amazing David Leibovitz. Um, so I, I actually think it's quite funny that um, we're recording in your flat. Apartment? Apartment, of course, because the book's called The Part. Oui, la part. <laughs> Although it's actually funny because it doesn't really pronounce proper. It's hard to pronounce it correctly yes. in English. It doesn't sound as good as la part. <laughs> and you know you have to pronounce the T, which you don't normally pronounce the end of in French words. Well, it's been interesting because um, I'm here with my brother, and um, he's only been to Paris twice, and so uh, we've been trying to give him slight lessons of pronunciation. And basically, the one thing I've got across is don't say the end of words, except but for sometimes. Just, except for sometimes. Yeah. Except for those times when you have to. So yeah. I always think it's that weird thing of. There's always the rule in French, apart from when you don't follow the rule. Yeah. And so to someone who's not from France or lived here for a long time, it's very frustrating. Yeah. Well, it's like they like rules, but they don't like them. Yes, exactly. So <laughs> rules are sort of for other people, but not for you. So. Totally. Um, but I think it's really nice to record it here because obviously the new book is all about your hunt to find this place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have to say, it to me, it's very atypical for a French apartment uh, for many reasons. Mainly because of how big it is, or how big this kitchen at least is. It's actually not that big. I mean, no, 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 the main floor of my apartment is 50 square meters, yeah. which is about the size of a typical one-bedroom, maybe two-bedroom mm. apartment in Fran- in Paris. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. It's really not big. No, no, it's not massive. It feels quite open. I think it's maybe because of the mm. 
the way the layout is in this room. Well, I knocked down walls. The, the <laughs> sort of the open plan in France hasn't really been a popular design no, no, no. until recently. And now they actually call it an American kitchen. They call it cuisine, <laughs> cuisine américaine. Well, it was the thing like in the, um, the book, which we'll talk about later properly, was the, um, the idea that people found it strange to have a kitchen that was open into the living oh, yeah, space yeah. because we don't want the smell of yeah. food in our living room. Like, yeah. Isn't that the good thing? Like, have those aromas in the kitchen, have it in the living room, apart from you know, yeah. things like fish. Well, you have to think, I mean, French history is, I was talking to my partner about this last mm. night, you know, as an American, our history is a few hundred years old, <laughs> and France has a very, you know, much longer, you know, several thousands of years. But, you know, a lot of it goes back to the monarchy mm. and people having um, housekeepers mm. and help, having a domestique, as yeah, you'd yeah. say in French. And you didn't want to really interact with those people. You didn't want to see them because they were different. Yeah. People, yeah, yeah, yeah. you didn't want to smell the food because it sort of was a reminder of, that I were there. Yeah, yeah. So people don't like the smell. But the other thing is, a lot of people live very close together mm. in Paris, and a lot of buildings have guardians, and a lot of the guardians cook fish. Really? So, so you walk into the building, and like there's a smell <laughs> of cooking fish, and you know not, that's what not very that good Airbnb oils. Is. Yeah. <laughs> so you smell that quite a bit in Paris, and people kind of scrunch up their face. <laughs> but people like the smell of butter and other things. I say, I the amount of times I leave the house, and I'm like, what is that smell? Oh, it's me. A smell purely oh. of butter. Okay. Half the times, so I, mean, I think that's the least. You know, there's a lot more problematic things that you could smell of well, working in the kitchen. It's interesting because there's a butter shortage in France right now, really? and. Everyone was kind of talking about it's kind of been something made up that, you know, sure. to get people to buy butter or something. But actually, I saw it in the news today. Mm. And I've, the last two times I went to the store this week, there was very little butter on the really? shelf. Yeah. Okay, we should hoard then. Well, you should bring some over from England. For us. <laughs> English butter's <laughs> getting good. Oh, I can go to Marks and Spencer. <laughs> yeah, I actually really forget now that you have Marks and Spencer. How is Mar This is completely off topic, but mm -hmm. how is it? Uh, seen by French people in Paris. What is the like perception of it? It's good. Well, you know, it was always popular. Sure. You know, they used to have a big department store in the yes. 9th. Yeah, yeah. And it was sort of a legend, you know, legendary store. Oh, Marks and Spencer. Mm. And, really, da, da, da. and then it closed. And now they've opened these little stores all over the city that mostly sell food. Yes. And what's interesting is, of course, you know, the French, I and mean, a lot of people have this vision that British food is not good. But you go into Marks and Spencer and all this food, British and otherwise, yeah. is really good quality yeah. for takeout food, for um, ingredients. Mm. You can get things like, you know, grass-fed beef yeah. and, you know, Asian vegetables and stuff. So it's pretty good. I, I buy sugar there. They have brown sugar and, you know. <laughs> I remember I once um, was, I, can't remember, I think it was when I was last, when I last saw you, mm. when we did the Facebook Live when we were making the caramels. Uh -huh. And I was trying to find sugar. And I walked yeah. around Carrefour for about an hour going, I don't understand where the sugar is yeah. in this supermarket. And it was next to the wine because, you know, that's where sugar belongs <laughs> in a supermarket. Well, next I'm, to wine. Well, I was trying to find a mop head yesterday. I went to the Monopri supermarket and the woman said, oh, it's over by the wine. I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I thought, actually, it does because when you do house cleaning, you need to get some wine to... Well, I have heard that you have the reputation of being the person to ask to find things in Paris. Like, yeah. is it the embassy people tell them? Yeah. To, 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 tell us, like, ask David. He knows yeah, what everything is. Yeah, they're like, write a message to David. I'm like, okay. <laughs> Someone just actually wrote to me, and I feel kind of bad if they're listening, so my apologies. But so, an American asked me where they can get all their stuff for Thanksgiving in Paris, which is a pretty that's a long loaded list of things. Yeah. yeah. That's like, like I a, need pumpkin puree, I need pecans. Yeah, and cranberries. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort that's of. That's going to be a very expensive Thanksgiving in Paris. Well, you know, it's kind of a scavenger hunt. 
And you can actually get this stuff. Mm-hmm. You just have to, like brown sugar. You go to the natural food store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you want a turkey, you just go to a butcher and order it in advance. They have yeah. turkeys in France. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're actually really good. They're not the big giant American ones, yeah, yeah, but yeah. they're, they're art, you know, thing, free yeah. range and they're delicious. Yeah. But, you know, like one turkey will feed, you know, six people. Whereas yeah. in America, you know, one turkey feeds 7, like 22. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say, I do find it odd, like the, the idea, that classic image of the American Thanksgiving where someone's holding this huge tray of turkey. To me, it looks really strange because that's, I can't imagine a turkey that size. It would have to be insanely big. Well, we have a lot of oversized things in America <laughs> that, that probably could be reduced, um, not necessarily physically sized, but <laughs> mentally and so forth. So Very fair. that's for the other podcast. That's, that's for my new podcast coming out next week. Um, but to go, back to, our, like, to go back to the start, we always start the podcast asking, so how, what was the thing that got you into food in the first place? What was the interest when you were younger or what was the thing that dragged um, you in? I needed a job. I was 16 years old, and uh, you know, in America, that's when you can start working. And most American kids, you have a summer job or a weekend job. So I started working at a steakhouse, um, and I was the dishwasher. And all the waitresses wore these like plastic dresses that looked like the, the West, the American <laughs> West. Um, and then when I was in college, I needed to work. Yeah. You know, I, so I worked at a vegetarian restaurant, mm-hmm. and it was actually a um, this is before, this is in the 80s, and all, we bought most of our produce from local farmers because we were out in the countryside. Yeah, yeah. Um, We served really good coffee because the owner was Norwegian. Nice. Um, and it was just what we did. We we weren't thinking, oh, we're making, you know, we're shopping at the farmer's market. It was like, <laughs> we're buying our food. That's where you buy food. Um, then what when I did is you were a trendsetter. <laughs> uh, not, not, I mean, it sounds like it, Fourth but of the that's how people market. used to eat. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like, you know, you had to announce where you bought food. Now, yeah, it's like the farmer. But, you know, if, if you drive through Ireland or yeah, something, yeah. you you know, people are like, oh, the sausages from the yeah. McDingle place are great. You know, well, I remember, like, my parents um, used to talk about this thing, especially when they were younger, they used to have, um, like, the bread van or the fish mm-hmm. man. Yeah. And they would come to your street and they would just open the back of their van, which sounds very dodgy, but it would mm-hmm. be the local guy doing his deliveries and you would buy it from him. And so that yeah. kind of connection, I think, is... Whilst it's kind of the new trend, it is mm-hmm. kind of the normal way everyone used yeah. to shop. And it's kind of, kind of, you know, people have said, oh, you know, it's snobbism, snobbism about food. I was like, well, actually, <laughs> it's kind of the opposite. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the question about how I got interested in food, then when I moved to California, mm-hmm. I thought, I'm going to, you know, if I'm going to work in restaurants, you know, my college education kind of went, you know, <laughs> went away, you know, much to my parents' uh, dismay. Mm. But I said, well, if I'm going to work in a restaurant, I should work at the best restaurant. In yeah, California, and that was Chez Panisse. Mm-hmm. So I worked there. So I I love the story of how you got the job at Chez Panisse. So can you kind of give us an overview of how you managed to get into that kitchen? Because it was notoriously hard to get a job there. It's hard, but it's actually well. I was there sort of during a sweet spot because mm-hmm. I went in to apply for my job for a job, and before I moved to California, I'd written to several restaurants. This is the time California cuisine mm-hmm. was becoming popular with you know local farm-to-table foods and so forth. So I wrote to five restaurants, and only one of them wrote back to me. Mm. Um, but I really wanted to work at Chez Panisse, and of course <laughs> nobody wrote back to me. So I went in there and you know walked in, and I said I'd like to work here. And the woman who was the chef. She was very. She was not very nice about it, and she said, "What are you doing here? You just walk in here. I have no idea who you are." And, blah, 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 blah. and I'm some kid, you know, yeah. from the Hicks. I'm like, "Oh, okay, I'm sorry." <laughs> so I, you know, slunk, slunk out, mm. and I worked at another restaurant. Um, and I had a very hard time at the other restaurant. It was probably the only job I've ever 
um, hated going wow. to work in. It wasn't because of the work. It was because um, it was a very difficult situation. Sure. That's another book. <laughs> uh, um, but then when I heard that there was a changeover in chefs at Chez Panisse, I ran over there <laughs> and I got hired. So did you do the bad thing of going during the middle of service and going, can I have a job? I, I love don't it when remember. someone's like, that's the best time to go and apply for a job. You know, the thing is, you're always busy in a restaurant. You yeah, know, always. The worst of the people call. They're like, do you have any jobs? Like, ah. they come in, you can say, you know, we yeah. can't. But people are just busy all the time in mm. restaurants. And there's never a good moment. But <laughs> service is not the best. No, definitely not. So what was Japanese like to work in at the time? Because it was right at its height at yeah. the time, I guess. It was, we were, we used to open at 5 o'clock and mm. close at 11.30 at night. And people would start lining up at 4.30. Wow. And by five o'clock, there was a line and they would open the door and we were just slammed. Wow. And I was working in the cafe upstairs, which is sort of the more casual restaurant for a couple of years. And as soon as, the, you know, as soon as five o'clock hit, you mm. didn't know what happened <laughs> until like 1230 at night when you just, you know. Yeah. But it was fun because I met really great people. We had great ingredients. Um, you know, at Chez Panisse, the great thing about the restaurant is money's no object. Yeah. So people stay there a long time because it's hard to find a restaurant that really cares that much, so much about the food that they don't have to worry or they don't care yeah, about yeah, making yeah. money. Yes. Um, which is great. Would you say that, because I've always got the impression that either that period in time or that style of cooking or even the restaurant itself has had an effect on your style of food because I think it has mm. something in common. Because I, I always get the impression that you like something that's slightly more pared back, not really kind of over the top. Yeah you know, overly decorated or multiple flavors, mm -hmm. like something more pure in flavor or something simpler. Yeah. And sometimes I feel kind of funny talking about that because people say, oh, you're, you were a pastry chef. Mm. You don't make, you know, those cakes with the chocolate curls on them. And it's like, <laughs> we didn't do that. Yeah. You know, we would get peaches and like, what do I do with these peaches? Mm. Which is a skill in itself, actually, if you've ever been to a restaurant and had like <laughs> bad peach tart or yeah, yeah, yeah. peach bad peach ice cream. Um, well, there's nowhere to hide. With something that simple, right. it has to be perfect. So sourcing ingredients is just as, as important mm -hmm. as how you prepare them, if not more important. Mm. Um, but it also, one thing that I really learned at Chez Panisse was everything has to be really good. Yeah. Because we would stand around a plate and I'll taste things yeah. and say, what do you think this needs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then da 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 and then we'd get there, and then Alice would come in for dinner, or she'd walk through, Alice Waters, the owner, and then she would taste everything, and she would, had a very good palate. Mm -hmm. It was kind of hard to argue with her. Yeah, she yeah. was usually right. Yeah. You know, I used to say she was right like 99% of the time, and I was right 1%, but I'd probably think she was right 100% of the time. I was like, would she agree with that 1%? <laughs> probably. <laughs> You'd have to be a very magnanimous to go, yeah, 1% yeah. of the time I'm wrong. I think I'm wrong. No, but she, had really, she has a really good palette. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah, that's that hard has yeah. lasted the test of time. It has been there for 40, years? 45 years. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's impressive in itself. Yeah, and I was there for 13. So. Wow. I didn't yeah. realize she was that long. Yeah. So um, what was the thing that made you... Well, actually, when did you start the blog? Not whilst you were still there. It must have been after. No, it was uh, actually in 1999, wow. which makes me a dinosaur. <laughs> but I, I remember reading your site when it was still in that oh, very yeah. old kind of... I don't even know what that platform was, but it was a very kind of specific... It was the, a website. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah and yeah. it was funny because, you know, it was a blog, but... Back there was, then, there yeah, was no, no word for yeah. it, and there was not. They didn't have the software mm. or the platform. Yeah, like yeah, yeah. People now use WordPress, and you, anybody can update it. In those days, I had to send my web guy stories every time you wanted to post yeah. one. Wow! And so I would, you know, update my blog, <laughs> you know, a few times a month. Yeah, it is funny, um, but I started it in 1999 because my first book came out. I thought, oh, was that because of chocolate then? Yeah, chocolate well, was, was the first one, right? No, the first oh, no. book was called Room for Dessert. Yes. 
And I thought, well, wouldn't it be good if people had a way to get in touch with me if they had questions about the recipes? And that goes into the be careful what you wish for file. Um, it's a warning to everybody out there trying to hit cookbook. I mean, how many emails do you get? Because like, I think it's a running theme of kind of jokes about people asking you, like, um, just emailing you going, hi, can we meet on Tuesday for coffee? Yeah. There's oh, a lot okay. of those. Um, You'd never have a life. You would just be meeting people for coffee. Yeah, and it's kind of sad because, well, yeah. I feel bad because. Of course. But I, you know, You're a human I don't being. have time to see my friends. No, no, you no. know, I'm working a lot. Yeah. And, you know, when you live in France, you have other things to do as well. By towns. And I like people. So I try to have events that are open to the public mm-hmm. so I can meet people. But, sure. you know, balancing a personal life, you know, I, have, I write my blog, mm-hmm. I write books. You know, and I do others. Actually, I do other things during the day too. <laughs> Today, I looked for a mop head, and it took me a day and a half to find it, but I finally found it. Welcome to France. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I always get the impression that, and I think you touch on this in the book actually, that one of the reasons you came to Paris, maybe unconsciously, is that the the style of food, the approach to cooking, has something similar to California cuisine, and it was an easier connection rather than making right. a complete leap to somewhere else. Well, people. Have- They've often asked me, they, they, well, actually, when I first started writing books and doing interviews, they mm. said, always know the answer to the question that you don't <laughs> want to be asked. I'm like, okay, the only question I couldn't answer was, why'd you move to France? Yeah. And I was just, I don't know. I yeah. didn't know. And then I thought about it over the last few years. I was like, well, cooking at Chez Panisse and the climate of Northern California, mm. California in general, the wine, yeah, yeah, the yeah. foods, the garlic, the fresh foods, the herbs, um, that was very French. Yeah. So it seems sort of natural that I moved here. I think I think that sounds completely fair to me. I visited oh, California sure. <laughs> for the first time last year. Mm-hmm. I went to San Francisco, and the produce, especially, really blew me away yeah. in terms of just the breadth of what was available and the pure seasonality of it. Like walking to the San Francisco farmers market and spending hours right. just going, "I'll have this, I'll have that." Trying pluots for the first time, you yeah. know, which are incredible. I'm now obsessed with yeah. pluots, and I'm very sad you can't buy them in London. They actually, I've seen them in stores in France from Spain. Really? Okay. But they're not that great. They're not as good, no. no. Um, and so I totally understand that connection, even if it was an unconscious kind of, this well, is where I want to move. Yeah, well, San Francisco is an exceptional food city. Oh, no. um, You know, if you go to the farmer's market and you want a lemon, it's like, which kind? There's like eight <laughs> kinds of lemons, and they're all local, or they're all heirloom, yeah, you know, yeah, and they're yeah, really yeah. good, and yeah. Da, da, da. Um, so it's hard to go somewhere else yeah. and be a cook. Even in France, I had to adjust mm. my expectations. <laughs> you know, I wanted like lemons, but I wanted them local and yeah. I wanted them from the farmer. And, you know, <laughs> Paris is, you know, it's winter and it's cold a lot. There are yeah. local lemons here. <laughs> so. so when you moved here, what did you have a plan of what you were going to do in Paris? Were you going to cook or was no. that kind of... You've done it, in restaurants by that point. It's funny because I never told anybody this, but I used to, when I moved here, I used to sit on the couch and just make lists of like bakeries and restaurants I wanted to go to. And then I would go to them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of charming because I didn't really have anything else and to do. How long do. did that last? <laughs> I don't know, but I'm kind of wondering how I can go back. <laughs> but, it, you know, it was probably four or five years. And I was wow. actually kind of bored a lot. Yeah. yeah. Um, not, I mean, not in the traditional sense of being bored, mm-hmm. but. I was like, what am I going to do today? Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I didn't have a lot of friends. Yeah. Um, and I wasn't that integrated into society. So I'd go to the market and cook. Mm. Um, you know, and I'd go to these pastry shops and write about them on my blog. Yeah, yeah. Um, or so forth. But um, now I'm like, oh, my God, I would love to go to a pastry shop. <laughs> and Which, I still go. but Just not to seven a day. <laughs> yeah. I actually keep a list uh, in my kitchen of restaurants and bakeries I need to go to. My list gets ever ever expanded it never seems to make a dent in it 
It's hard. Well, it's hard because a lot of new places open. Yeah. But, you know, in France also, a lot of people say, oh, you did, you know, this place got won the Baguette of the Year Award last year. Don't you, aren't you going to go there and get your baguette? About this, yeah. And it's like, I'm not taking the metro to buy a baguette. I'm going to the bakery <laughs> down the street where they know me and da da da. And also, they're hot still. Like, walking all the way across the city, then bring it home. By the time you get home, it's not got that fresh. Well, you know, you don't really get a hot baguette because no, they cool down pretty quickly. Yeah, but, but I have a few, you know, there's five bakeries, you know, within a block away yeah, yeah, from yeah. me. And t- two or three of them are really good. Yeah. So. Um, so when um, when you started doing the writing and you had started living in France like in those early years, how did you find adjusting to French life? What was kind of the, the things that you didn't expect that you had to adjust to? or um, The way that. It was hard to adjust to being in a place where uh, customer service is not a priority. (laughs) And it's kind of a joke and it's kind of cliche, but Americans are very service oriented. Mm -hmm. And I remember my first French teacher, he went around the room and, you know, he said, what do you miss? What do you all miss? You know, and he asked the Koreans and the, you know, the Spanish and the Mexican people, everybody, what do they miss? And all the Americans say customer service, customer (laughs) service. And it's true. We have really good customer service in America. Um, very very people complain about it in america they're like i had to wait it's like (laughs) you don't know you don't understand um so i did and i do do miss american customer service but you know in france you have to play the game and you know i I got like eight errands done this morning and everyone was super nice and helpful and you know i had a little conversation with people as i was doing it and so it just takes time yeah. here to adapt. Um, I would imagine that, because I, I always think that people have certain misconceptions about what living in France would be like. Like mm-hmm. they have this dream of like living in Paris is going to be this beautiful, beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. So what do you think people, those misconceptions that people have like, well, I'm going to move to Paris, I'm going to eat croissants every day. Uh-huh. Like, I'm intrigued to know like what the reality of living in Paris is versus everyone's dream ideal. Well, it's some of that. I mean, you know, a lot of it is eating croissants every, <laughs> every day if you want. Um, I love croissants, but I don't eat them every day. I eat, I eat very good bread. I like actually like bread um, quite a bit, a little too much. And I like wine a little too much. Yeah. I like butter a lot. But, <laughs> um, you know, you, you learn to moderate yourself. Cheese is um, something. Um, I think the hardest thing, for, I think, for people to realize who don't live here is that daily life um, is not like being on vacation. Sure. You know, a lot, yeah. of people, a lot of people say, oh, don't you live in the six? It's so beautiful over there. I have a friend who lives in the six, and she's like, well, it's really beautiful, but there's no bread bakery. Yeah. She's like, we don't know where to buy bread. They actually go to Marks and Spencer because that's close. And they, you know, I was like, the crumpets are good. She's like, yeah, but I live in France. So, um, you know, daily life here is. It's not the daydream that everyone thinks about. Well, you know, people are working. A lot of people say to me, oh, well, don't the French, how, how could they go to a supermarket and buy food when there's all those markets? I'm like, well, you know, people have to work. And, yeah. you know, I'm fortunate because I can, you know, my job is yeah, actually yeah. going to the market, which is great. <laughs> I love my job. But, you know, people who work mm. don't have time. And they get home from work at 730. They've taken the metro. They're, cra- you know, it's, they're hot, cranky, mm. whatever. They've had too many cigarettes that day. And they just <laughs> want to go home and, you know, finish the pack of cigarettes. Yeah. And, you know, have a <laughs> beer. So the next yeah. pack of cigarettes. <laughs> so, um, you know, daily life here. And also things take a long time. Yes. Um, a lot of Americans... Do you want to stop while we? Eat? There's always something. Go- a lot of construction always going yeah, on. Yeah, always Paris. construction. Yeah. It's fine. It should. Um, these are quite. Fa- they're fairly. <laughs> it should pick yeah. up most of it. <laughs> well, that's okay. That, but that's what life is here. You know, <laughs> noisy, people, chaos, yeah, yeah, being noisy yeah. and whatever. Um, 
but things take a long time mm. to do here, like finding a mop head. Um, <laughs> you know, once again, as an American, it's like, I'm just going to do that online. No. You know, that doesn't work in France as well. Well, I remember kind of um, a number of years ago, I, remember, I don't know if, if you've changed consciously what content goes on the website, um, but I definitely remember reading lots of stories about the difficulties of living in Paris. Mm-hmm. I think that kind of went into um, Sweet Life in Paris as well. Yeah. And it was the stories of trying to find simple things like a light bulb, like yeah. going to, um, uh, not BHV, the, the big department BHV. store, BHV, yeah. and like going into the basement and like that nightmare that that basement used to be and trying to find like the right oh, yeah. shoelaces. <laughs> or, um, I was amazed when I went into BHV yeah. a couple of years ago and they'd done it up, but it's still really difficult. Yeah, it's but really it's difficult. Prettier. Yeah. Difficult but pretty. Um, so... Obviously, most of your cookbooks have books have been cookbooks, mm-hmm. and all of your books have recipes in. Mm-hmm. But this book is very, very different in that it's um, you know it's a memoir style book about yeah. buying a house. So, what was the reason for trying to not trying to, but doing something completely different or feeling very completely different? Well, when I was started, you know, in my, on my blog, I wrote mm. about my life. I didn't yeah. just write, you know, I don't just write recipes. Um, and my actually in the blog when it started, it wasn't a recipe. It wasn't a food blog. Yeah. I didn't consider it a food blog, which used to startle people. <laughs> and then I started, you know, people wanted recipes, recipes, recipes. Sure. So I started, you know, telling the stories through recipes, which mm. I don't mind um, doing yeah. at all. It's kind of nice. It's actually a good starting off point. Um, but, you know, so I was sharing my life and I started writing stories about, you know, looking for an apartment. And when I bought this one, I said, oh, this is going to be really interesting to write about. People are really, people were so excited. I was Actually, like, I'm, I'm going to get a big sink, and I'm going to have a big kitchen counter. I'm going to share it with people, and they're going to see how great it is. <laughs> I have to say, just A, this kitchen counter is the size of my kitchen. Mm-hmm. That literally is the size of my kitchen. Okay. My kitchen is tiny, so I'm in very jealous right now. Well, my last kitchen was, <laughs> the, the kitchen the counter table. was, this, the whole kitchen was actually smaller than this table. Wow. So... And that's where you wrote um, the ice cream book. Yeah, I wrote an ice cream, my ice cream book and another book there yeah. as well. Everything's um, done in one pot. It makes it a little easier in that kitchen. <laughs> you know, it's actually, you can work in a small kitchen. Yeah. People live you in don't. New York and they write cookbooks and yeah, so yeah. forth. Um, you know, I haven't been in that many London kitchens, but... Um, we can just about manage. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I also made a big shift in my life mm. when I moved to France. A lot of people say, I want to move to France. I'm like, well... I had a house in San Francisco, and mm. I moved into a one-room apartment with a kitchen the size of this counter. Yeah. And I lived there for nearly 10 years. Wow. Um, you know, I'm not complaining at all. It was, <laughs> it was a beautiful, you know, view, I had an amazing view. It was a great experience, but, yeah. you know. This is different. It was very tight. Very tiny. Oh, that's what I was going to I was going to ask about, um, about your move over here, because one thing always sticks in my head about the fact that you lost every single one of your cookbooks. When they were shipped over, right? They just disappeared. Well, I actually, when I moved, I used to have a big library of cookbooks yeah. in San Francisco. And when before I moved, I sold some of them. I put a bunch in storage mm. because they were things I could never get again. But I had some precious books yeah. that were signed. When I worked at Chez Panisse, we'd have people like Richard Olney come in, Julia Child come in, Amazing. Marcella Hazan come in, and so forth. So they were all signed to me. And I thought, I can't leave those behind. No, so I shipped not. them all to me, and they never made it. And it's been maybe, how long have been? Maybe 15 years. And so they're somewhere. <laughs> they're somewhere. Just and I know they're going to come. I'm an American optimist. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just French service. They'll be here just eventually. eventually. Well, the French blamed the American. They're like, you know, the French postal yeah, yeah. service were like, well, they never came here. Mm. And then the American, of course, blamed right. the French. It did. It came here at 1755. Yeah. So, you know. 
the value of the mm. books is not, you know, the books themselves is not no, a lot, but the, no. the memories of them. And so talking about the new book, um, La Part, why, uh, what was the struggle? I mean, kind of explain the struggle a little bit of finding an apartment in Paris, because yeah. the one thing the book has done in a way, has already made me go, well, I don't want to buy an apartment in France because oh. it seems very hard. It's optimistic. I haven't, I, I will say on the podcast, that I haven't quite finished it and there is a reason. So our mutual okay. friend took me out for dinner last night and um, I didn't finish the book because of that. So okay. let's, let's just leave it there. Um, so what was the struggle of buying the apartment? I know finding yeah. it seemed... Well, I don't know how it works in London, but in America, when you're buying property, mm. um, every property is listed in what's called a multiple listing. Mm -hmm. So you say, I'm looking for a one-bedroom apartment in New York City. Yeah. And, and you can all of see them, them all yeah. in it. And there's websites that have all of them. Yeah, you yeah, can yeah. get an agent, but you can see them all. Mm -hmm. In France, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> um, about half the apartments are sold by people individually, not with an agent. So they're not often not advertised, or if they are, they're advertised on a site like it's called Le Bon Coin now, yes. which is sort of like eBay um, <laughs> or Craigslist, I should yeah, say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, some are through agents. Often... People list their places with different agents at different prices. Um, people only list, agents don't know about other places. Yeah. They only know about certain places. So it's very difficult to find a place here. You know, in the last few years, a business has sprung up, people who search for apartments mm. for people. Um, it used to be only for tourists, but actually Parisians use them now because Easier. they're like, we don't have time to <laughs> go. You know, a friend of mine just moved in. She said she looked at 100 apartments in six months. Oh, and they don't have open houses house. here, so you have to make an appointment. Yeah. And in America, too, if you don't like something, you just go, okay, great. It was thank, <laughs> Thanks a lot. You know, it's not for me. And the owner's never there. Yeah. So you don't but here. The owner's always there. Yeah. And they want to talk to you. And they want you to sit down and have coffee with them and, you know, and discuss everything. And so, you know. One of my um, favorite kind of stories <laughs> or anecdotes in the book was about when you went to view a property with your partner Romain, yeah. and you were like trying to do signals to get out, and Romain was like, yeah. I don't know what you mean, let's sit and have tea, yeah. let's chat to this. Well, he's the sweetest person <laughs> I think I've ever met in my life, and a friend of mine who read the book said, he is such a hero, I never realized, <laughs> and I told him that, and he was like, but I didn't do anything, I'm like, but you did, so um, he's going to have to, I, I read him some of the book, and yeah. I'm trying to translate some of it. But he, you know, he's French and he likes to talk, mm. um, which sort of goes hand in hand. Yes. Whereas, well, it was like the story with the sink, that when you finally found the sink, you had to meet the sink owner's entire family yeah, yeah. and have dinner with them and you know, yeah. all that kind of thing. I, I kind of yeah. like the sweetness of it, but it would frustrate me and like, I just want to yeah, in well, and out, get it done. Well, one thing I always say is Americans were very result oriented. Yes. Like, how do I get this? Yeah. How do I get it? Yeah. yeah where the French like the process. Yes. And once again, it's not a criticism. And that's, that's something I, you know, I balance in the book and I explain. I said, yes. you know, they like to talk, which is very, like you just said, mm -hmm. it's very lovely. Yeah, yeah, um, However, in your real life, you're going to go Speed, home and go, hurry, hurry, hurry. hurry. <laughs> a lot of Americans say, oh, I really want to move to Paris. I love the, the laid know, back lifestyle. The laid back yeah. lifestyle. It's like, well, you have to. Do you, actually do you really like want it? Yeah. You know, do you want it laid back, you know, when the person behind the customer service desk is on break talking yeah. to their friends? So... I'm not going to ruin the story of the book because I think it has okay, some really okay. <laughs> funny parts to it. Um, but I'm the thing that made me so frustrated for you was what happens when you almost buy the apartment when it's, you're ready to sign. Oh my god! Yeah, and it's so. Yeah, like, I, I think I would have given up 
I don't think I could have continued to go and buy that apartment oh. after. The good thing about France also is there are heroes here. Well, I have to um, say the um, I'm going to forget the the, the notaire. Term. Yes, yes, she sounds like an actual hero. Yes. She was a hero, and she's gotten a lot of referrals from me. Unfortunately, <laughs> she's not doing that work anymore, so people don't contact me for her uh, info. But she was great. French people can be really great mm. if they want to help you. Yeah. And that's the other side of French customer service. When you get someone who wants to help you, and mm. I talk about this in the book, they're really lovely yeah. and wonderful and involved. And she took a real interest in me and saved me from a lot <laughs> of stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, I a, can't imagine what this place looked like. But considering why you couldn't buy this place, it makes a little bit more sense because obviously mm -hmm. this wasn't meant to be an apartment. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole, uh, you know, a, a friend of mine, Eshbao, I won't, my friend who just looked for an apartment, who looked at a hundred of them, um, she's French, and mm. she said she thinks the agents are genetically engineered to um, not be super truthful about things. Yep, yep, yep. That, so, that and that's true. probably true in a lot of places, too. Oh, not everyone hates different. the agents. Yeah. Well, see, in America, we always love our agents. They become our friends. <laughs> you know, they, they take us out for drinks. and they be, You know, like yeah, I'm yeah, friends yeah. with all of the people who have helped me buy apartments mm. or houses in, in California. Like, yeah. we're very good friends still. So... Not yeah, with yeah. the guy that sold you this apartment, because he didn't seem like the best no. person ever. And even, you know, the seller stopped talking, stopped speaking to him. You know, how, how, how you know, does that happen? Mm. You know, what happened there, which it, is another story. It definitely seems like, almost <clears throat> like the idea of a, a movie. It's so comically tragic yeah. and bad, and so many pitfalls of buying this apartment. Well, it was so comic. That's mm. why I wrote the book. Sure. Because, you know, a lot of people, when I was writing, when I was going through the process, I was writing about it for, on my blog. Mm. And then I had to stop because I was like, I don't, there's nothing interesting or funny about this. And it was um, psychologically very hard because sure. I was in the middle of this very, very bad situation. Mm. And like I said, people want to know all the good things about life here, um, but not everybody wants about to things. know about no, 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 the no. things that aren't so great. So, um, you know, during the recent, one of the recent um, attacks in mm. Paris, somebody wrote to me and they said, I don't understand how anybody could be so angry with all those beautiful cheese shops. And I was like, oh, okay, well. <laughs> so, you know, and, and I, you know, it's, but that's how people, some people think. Yeah, yeah. And so I, you know, I, well, I think a lot of people insult keep, anybody. Um, Paris is this painting in their head. It's mm -hmm. not a real place. It's like going to Disneyland, yeah. but for pastries or for, you know, picturesque. Yeah buildings but it is you know it's great because it is a real place mm. and like my partner Roman, he goes well i like paris because it's hard it's a very hard city <laughs> and you know his studio is in barbez which is a yep. very lively very mixed neighborhood and a lot of you know a lot of stuff goes on up there yeah, yeah. and so forth um but that's what i like about paris too is sort of the gritty side yes um there's that too definitely um, i think some people yeah. get um so hung up on only staying in those very very like touristy areas mm -hmm. touristy neighborhoods and never actually get to experience anything beyond that. And I think that's yeah. where you actually get to see Paris for what it actually is. That's true. Although, you know, you should always stay in somewhere where you feel comfortable. Sure, like, I feel comfortable in certain neighborhoods where mm -hmm. I wouldn't tell tourists to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's the same way in, like, New York, where, you know, I grew up you know, mm. near New York. I don't feel uncomfortable there. But there were places sure. you tell people not to go. Um, but anyhow, so telling the story, it was, I finally, when everything was done a few years later... I was walking down the street 
actually I was in New York. I said, I need to write this book. I need to tell people. Because people kept asking me, like, we never saw your yeah, kitchen yeah, yeah, yeah. and what happened. And people are getting, I think I might have edited this out of the book. But people were sending me these really, uh, these messages that were really intense. Very aggressive. That's a very good word. Because um, it doesn't implicate balanced. anybody. Yeah. Balanced, yeah. Well, you and your, you write books, too. Yeah, so yeah. you know, like, the right word is important. Mm -hmm. They were very aggressive messages wow. about seeing my place. <laughs> And That's slightly stalkery. Yeah. Show well, us your kitchen, David. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Please show us your oh, kitchen. Oh, yeah. People are like, I, they would use the word, I demand to see it. No. So, that's... Um, you know, and that's just the internet, and sure, it's okay. of course. Yeah. Um, but I didn't, you know, it was like, well, how do I do this? Yeah. How do I explain this? What happened to people? And it <laughs> needed to be a book. Yeah. So. I think one of the things that I really loved about the book was, I think it's something that I would do, because it's just the way I'm why it is like, you know, take baking to the builders mm -hmm. and try and encourage them with cake but that's right. not how it works yeah it doesn't how it works <laughs> because in france you know a lot of people don't realize this but a, most people in france mm. even those in paris are uh, still sort of rural people mm. that you know most of them are still a generation or two away from sort of a different not a big city mentality mm. and while that you know they have that mentality now there is that whole thing um you know of I don't know how to just, you probably know a better word than I do. <laughs> think of a word. Um, um, I, I think what you mean, it, it is, I don't want to say almost kind of, working class is probably the wrong thing. Um, but I, the thing you explain in the book that I think is really smart is kind of, you were the boss mm -hmm. and you needed to keep that. Whereas yeah. for me, I'm exactly the same. I would, you know, try and engage them and try and become their right. friend right. with baking yeah. because that's how all of my friends yeah. are my friends. Like, well, that was the biggest cake. mistake I made. And that was the first thing my partner said. He said, do not tutoyer yeah. anybody, which is sort of yes. familiar for people who are listening. You know, there's two different verb tenses mm. in French. One's formal, vous voyez, mm. vous voyez someone. If you want to be formal, tutoyer is familiar. Mm. Like we would tutoyer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if I didn't know you, I would vous voyez. Yes. So I was tutoying everybody because I was—they were all my friends. Yeah, I just—I I love the idea that they were like, "We're not going to work because we get brownies when we're here." So you know, perfectly relaxing yeah. job. Well, you know, a lot, everyone who's been through remodeling will see something in this book and go, "Yep, yep, 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 yep." <laughs> Let's just hope they don't have all of them because you went through quite a few pitfalls. How long did well, it actually take? What was the whole process from starting looking to actually moving in and being done with it? It was probably six or seven years. Oh, yeah. How long once you actually, once you got the property? How so long this is only volume one of the book. There's like six more <laughs> volumes, like modernist cuisine. <laughs> so that's a series. Now, like Harry Potter, David Leibovitz, and the Wizard of David you know, Catastrophes. And the, uh, the Chamber of Secrets. Chamber of Secrets. Electricians doing your work yeah. for you. What's going on not here? Doing it. No, I mean, that's, you know, when I started looking for a place, the looking mm. and the buying. You know, the buying took, Oh, well over a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, people are like, what? Yeah, yeah. it just seems insane that yeah. something... I know it's complicated. I know buying a house is never easy. Mm -hmm. Or not... Definitely in the UK, it's not easy and it's a process, but it's never a year to complete a purchase. Yeah. That just seems... But it's pretty normal. Insane. It's not supposed to be. Um, <laughs> but a lot of... A friend of mine bought a house in the country yeah. and she's like, I can't believe it took a year. I'm like, is that all? <laughs> <laughs> wow. I've just That's moved sad. in and I started buying in 1985. <laughs> well, now she's renovating. I said... Please feel free. Speak to, <laughs> yeah. to me in seven years. Because all my friends like abandoned me. They would see me on the street. They were like, I see them crossing the street because I was like dirty and gross and grouchy. And, you yeah. know, I'd lost all this weight and I was really, um, 
not in the not the best <laughs> company, I should say. Um, so the book is La Part, and I would say it does also like uh, Sweet Life in Paris. It's broken up with a recipe per chapter. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what would you say is actually is there a favorite recipe in the book? Because I've been bookmarking a few. You know, I you know when people people ask that mm. a lot, you write books as it's well. People go, "What's your favorite?" Answer. Like I shouldn't answer that question because well, I know there's no. I always answer. think it takes a few years. Like when yes. I wrote, yes. you know, my first book. It became like the ginger cake was the favorite. Yes. Then it sort of shifted to the mm. chocolate orbit cake. Then it was chocolate chip cookies. And so it takes me a while. Um, my current favorite are the chocolate chip buckwheat cookies. I was going to talk about those, those because I'm, I, uh, about three years ago, I was dating, uh, actually, he was an American uh, guy and he is gluten free. He was also alcohol-free and dairy-free, and wow. he was from California. Okay. But was he healthy? LA. Was he detox? No, LA? not at all. Okay. He, was not, he wasn't that healthy. Anyway, uh, <laughs> I started going, oh, I'm going to start making all these gluten-free things. I bought, like, buckets full of ingredients to make gluten-free pasta. Then he dumped me, so we never used them. Hello. Um, but one of the things that I did develop at the time was a buckwheat chocolate chip cookie mm-hmm. that also has uh, pecans and some oat flour in it. And regardless of being gluten-free, it's one of my favorite things. It's so delicious, and yeah. I'm a big lover of buckwheat so that has been bookmarked to, i love to buckwheat um yeah. i just love buckwheat and everything and i actually love like all these alternative grains people make fun of like gluten-free diets oh, they taste so good i'm like yeah polenta is amazing yeah, cornmeal yeah, yeah. is great oat flour yeah. teff um, all those things are really wonderful flowers absolutely i've actually um yesterday we were in the marais and went to Anglasa paris and tried oh, yeah. the did you um, like it i do i really like okay. it and i really like they have an, a buckwheat ice cream um, it's. I think it was toast caramel. I have buckwheat. one too in my. No. Oh, <laughs> do you actually? Yeah. Okay, not this one too. Because uh, it was really interesting. Mm-hmm. It was slightly unusual, but the flavor of buckwheat came across really beautifully. Yeah. And I you love toast that the flavor. grains, or mm. they they're not actually grains; they're groats. Uh, groats. Yeah. Um, and then you infuse them. Yeah, it was such a beautiful yeah. flavor. So I'm gonna um, borrow that idea yeah. from both of you. So, yeah. yeah. Um, so we're going to move on to our second section now, which is the shopping list. So okay. I've tried to make this... Co- uh, Should just... I get a piece of paper and a pencil? <laughs> and we can spend three hours doing our shopping around the market. Okay, it's just speed round. Ra- speed round. Ra- Do speed I need run. to grab the bourbon? <laughs> yeah, how many bottles of alcohol is there on your counter? Just two. Just two. That's olive oil. And the other yeah. one is um, bitters. Oh, nice. Excellent. Um, I also want to ask you, uh, maybe off, off air, the uh, about the... Um, was it walnut wine you were making? Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm intrigued by it because I have no idea what that would taste like. I don't, okay. don't know what that it's tastes like. It's in the like. basement. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's in your the, wine cave. Yeah, you can come down and see it later. <laughs> um, so it's a list of different things, and you have to choose one of the options. You can also say that my options are stupid, and you're not okay. picking one. Is this about politics or just about... <laughs> okay. Trump or Macron. No. Um, so it's all about... It's, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. So um, Paris or San Francisco? Well, Paris, because I'm here. Sure. So I nice and easy. Yeah. Nice and easy. Okay. Uh, chocolate ice cream or chocolate sorbet? Chocolate sorbet. I thought you'd say that because I love the intensity you get with the yeah. chocolate sorbet. Well, there's this whole thing like fat is flavor. It's like, well, actually, no. no. Raspberries, espresso, yeah. they don't have fat. Yeah. Definitely. Buckwheat flour. I completely agree. So I like the sorbet because it's more intense. I love I think I actually, when I was a kid, I used to really dislike chocolate ice cream. And it's still not yeah. my favorite. I find... Uh, okay. The real dariness gets away yeah. in, in in the way of the chocolate flavor. So I love a good chocolate sorbet. Yeah. Okay. Um, champagne or bourbon? Bourbon. Good choice. Good choice. Okay. <laughs> Followed with champagne first. Yeah, it is a test. There's a right or wrong answer. Uh, cookies or croissants? Uh, cookies. I thought you might say that. Yeah. Because they're crunchy. Variety. Yeah. Yeah. Texture is the best thing. Definitely. Yeah. Uh, couscous or crepes? Uh, crepes. Buckwheat crepes. What, what would you put in your crepe? 
Uh, I actually like, I'm very boring. Like I said, I'm very boring. I like <laughs> ham, cheese, and an egg. It's my favorite. Complete. Yeah. yeah. It was the way, uh, when we were kids, we were talking about this yesterday, we used to um, have holidays in Normandy and Brittany a lot when we were little. Oh, yeah. Right. And so we would have a lot of uh, galettes. Yeah. So complete was always my favorite. And yeah. still the one I go to. Yeah. Well, that's why things become classics. Oh, because they're yeah. good. Absolutely. Um, pastry chef or food writer? Me? Yes. I don't consider myself really either. Really? I actually, actually now I consider myself a cookbook author. Fair. Fair, fair. I don't just write about food. Yes. As some people on Facebook accuse me of. They're like, that's not about food. I'm like, I You're didn't. only allowed to do one thing, David. You can't step out of your zone. That's <laughs> know, all you're allowed to do. This is the internet. Yeah. I wrote something in Italian about an Italian recipe that I did. And someone was very upset. Yeah. <laughs> I also found it really funny how people were really upset about the picture of the dumplings you posted the yeah. other day. Well, you you said they were not the most attractive thing, and then people told yeah. you how unattractive they were. Yeah, and I was like, that's such a weird mm. thing to tell people. Yeah, Say I to find, somebody. I do find like, people can be it. very critical online. And but it why? Can be hard to well, I wonder what the, where that came from. I don't know. I think it's maybe the fact that the, the judgment you have when someone's in front of you disappears when you're mm-hmm. behind a computer. You don't have to think about how you're treating someone. Just to quickly interject here, we were interrupted by some random person knocking on David's door, um, so I didn't want it to seem odd that we kind of forgot to finish the last sentence. We are jumping straight back into the shopping list. Um, so, da, 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 da. Salted caramel or wild strawberry? Salted caramel. I thought you'd say that because yeah. you you seem to have a real love of salted caramel. Yeah. Well, I like salt. You know, people yeah. always think pastry chef, you don't like, you know, you should like sweet, sweet, sweet. It's like, no, we crave vinegar, salt. Yeah. Like, I remember thing, coffee. whenever I'm writing, uh, if I'm on a big uh, deadline for a lot of recipes and I'm kind of like, especially in the book phase, mm-hmm. I crave anything that's salty. Yeah. Like I will have cornichons. Just to kind of give yeah. me a hit of vinegar, yeah. just something to get rid of the sweet. Yeah. And I bourbon. Think, <laughs> yeah. I, I end up doing lots of recipes with bourbon. I'm like, yeah, we can sneak in bourbon in here. Um, and then <laughs> this is one that our friend Jane came up with. Um, Eiffel yeah. Tower or Statue of Liberty. <laughs> well, I like the Eiffel Tower. Okay. Um, I think it's prettier. I think you're probably true. Yeah. I think I, I, the one thing I'm not a massive fan of is I... I don't really like the lights. I think it's so elegant as a building on its own. Yeah, I'm not a, not a big fan of it. Um, and the final one, figs or plums? Oh, because I thought that would be the hardest one. Well, I have to say I love plums, mm-hmm. but living in France, like the plums are very different. We get these lovely Renclaude plums yes. and Mirabelles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we don't get the red plums like we get in America, yeah, yeah, Santa yeah. Rosa plums or Pluots, yeah. which I love. I love cooking with them. I like baking with them. <sighs> I like everything. I literally... It, Plewots were one of the reasons I was like, I think I could live in San Francisco. I think I could have a uh, career here writing about baking. I'm surprised you can't get them in London. I'm so <laughs> I'm on a mission to get someone hmm. to uh, make Plewots for the UK. Uh, you can get best. dried ones. They have dried ones in San Francisco that are amazing. Really? Yeah. I'm not I'm not the biggest dried fruit fan all the time. Okay. I need to... I think it's because a lot of the dried fruit we get in the, at home isn't the best quality. Okay. So it needs working to get better. Um, some of them are so, so dry hmm. that a lot of people... Think, like there's this thing about um, dried fruit where people say I don't like dead flies, like because they're so oh. so dry, and it's obviously it's just poor quality ones. But so in London, search. with all the you know the multiculturalism, mm. you would think there would be good dried fruit. Well, I'm really lucky that I live in an area that's really known for Turkish food. Mm-hmm. So a lot of our even our kind of really cheap and cheerful corner shops have really uh-huh. good like amazing pistachios or really good uh, dried fruit. So I do find we're quite I'm quite lucky, and I think it's. 
Is that a whole huge bag full of dried fruit? Dried fruit from um, California. Sour cherries, <laughs> uh, cranberries, apricots. Keep, that'll keep you going for about, what, two weeks? Yeah, I eat a lot of them. These are really good. You would actually going through all my kitchen. These are Black Mission figs from California. Oh, I love Black Mission and figs. They just they have a hard stem on the bottom. So. But they're really nice because they're oh moist God. and they're yeah. really good. So. See, one of my favorite, favorite things when I was a kid was um, what we call a fig roll, what you call a fig oh, newton. Yeah. No, basically, it's like a fig newton without the pastry on the outside. These are good because they're like fresh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't taste dry. too dry, yeah. which is my favorite thing when they're kind mm. of in that between. Yeah, they're really, really good. Um, you can leave the stem anyway. <laughs> I clean the kitchen. I'm always cleaning, so don't worry. <laughs> so our final section is uh, the recycling bin. Okay. And so the idea is it's an ingredient, a trend, a person maybe, mm-hmm. something in food that you really can't stand or you really don't like and you wish wasn't around anymore, and you have to convince me to put it in the proverbial recycling bin. Mm -hmm. Well, we had discussed this a little bit before. (laughs) A few things that I had mentioned. um, Some of them are smears of food. (laughs) Some are powders in the corner of square plates. Um, Untoasted nuts drive me completely crazy on salads. But I have to say what really makes me crazy are slate plates Um, especially because waiters can't pick them up because they're like stuck to the table and you see them like trying to get their fingernails under the bottom and they're just so gross and i hate watching people struggle while they're working because i was a cook of course for so long and people are like don't you want to watch the kitchen that you want to sit and see the kitchen i was like i don't want to watch people work while i'm eating my meal i want to you know so chef's table is not your thing no, no. Unless the meal's free. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say I, I, I've only ever done like a proper chef's table once and I found it very awkward mm-hmm. just because I could see on the faces the chefs did not like the fact that people were watching them cook mm-hmm. because they very clearly changed their behavior slightly. They felt mm-hmm. they had to be on their best behavior uh-huh. and I could see them kind of whispering to each other and I thought, this is so uncomfortable. Like, I'm not enjoying this whatsoever. And I was there. I wasn't there on my own, but I was with a, uh, a party of people who everyone else was with someone. So I was just kind of on my mm-hmm. own. And so I had nothing else to do but watch the kitchen. And I just thought, this is a really uncomfortable thing. Well, I worked in a restaurant where we had a, a table in the kitchen mm. for cust- certain customers. And it was, of course, next to me where I worked. <laughs> and everyone was very nice. Mm. And I like actually like people. I like talking to people. I like meeting people. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. You know, I think I'm a pretty friendly person. <laughs> but um, they would talk to me all night. And I was working. And yeah. they were like, so now what are you doing? And what are you going to do with that? And you, I'd be like trimming cakes. So like, you're going to throw that away? It's like, okay. <laughs> How long have you been working here? Like, are you going to work? Yeah, slows slows you down yeah. tremendously. So I was like, "Can I get a curtain?" There's <laughs> a reason customers period. are in the dining room. And so yeah, forth. but absolutely. it's you know, on the other hand, I really think it's great. Like it, when I worked at Chez Panisse, mm. people were invited into the kitchen. Yeah. It wasn't like a big mystery. I was like, "No, come in the kitchen." Yeah, yeah, yeah. and they would come in and they'd see us working. Yeah. We had nothing to hide. No, I, I was like, "No, let me take you in the walk-in." I think yeah. that's really nice. I, I remember I did a stage uh, years ago in a two-star Michelin place, and I'd never been in, A, I'd never been in a Michelin-star restaurant to eat, never mind cook, and I'd never been in a kitchen so big and so organized in so many different sections. And so I was kind of blown away by the whole thing. And every single night that I was there, uh, people were brought in to see the kitchen. And uh, I had this one memory of a kid who was brought in to uh, see the pastry kitchen and he got to choose his own ice cream, and mm-hmm. his face just lit up. So I think there is something really nice about that. Yeah, and I sure. loved when people used to come in the kitchen at Chez Panisse and talk to us yeah, when yeah. I was, you know, 
for a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, the amazing thing about this kitchen is um, they had designed the kitchen. So there was a corridor that mm-hmm. brought you kind of into the kitchen, but not properly. Yeah. So you went in the way and then you just kind of walked out. So it was like a theme park. It's like going and seeing a little ride, walking mm-hmm. through, oh, here's the kitchen, and then walk back out into the... Um, well, that's good. You know, pe- once again, people are working and yeah, yeah. it's hard work and it's yeah. great, but it, you know... It needs to be limited. Well, everything needs to be limited. Maybe that's me uh, living especially in France. Black slate plates. My, yeah, <laughs> there should be limited. To, I actually, I wonder where that started. I, I just, I think they're so ugly. I don't think food looks good on them. Mm-hmm. I hate, especially when uh, I think often a slate plate often then comes with a smear of a sauce. Yeah, it looks unattractive. Um, I just, I think they are the worst plates to serve food on. Like, what's wrong with a round white plate? Is there? There's nothing wrong with that. I like. Mm-hmm. Also, I hate square yeah. plates. Really hate square plates. Yeah. I'm just going to go on a rant now. I think we should like leave those back in the 70s. It but feels really 70s, even though they're still around constantly, especially the, the slate ones. Yeah, I haven't quite... I think a lot of it, and I hate to say this, mm. so I probably shouldn't, but I think a lot of times people, you know, if the food's not so fabulous, yes, they agree. will put it on a fancy plate. Yeah. Um, and, you know, blogging, if you look at my blog, I used to probably use more plates and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And different kind of things. And mm. now I just put it on stuff I use every day, dishes I use yeah. every day. Yeah. And it has a chip in it or yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on, you know, my stainless. I have this little stainless steel counter next to my window and the light, This it's where I cook. Yeah. So I shoot a lot of stuff there. And a lot of times it's gray because Paris is gray, you know. And I could probably, I should probably be learning how to use all those photo editing things to make everything look prettier for Pinterest. (laughs) But it's, you know, this is the food and this is, it's Paris. It is what it is, yeah. And you want to give it a sense of place as well. Completely. Um, Well, I definitely think we can put um, uh, slate plates into, I was going to say Room 101, but I have to cop saying I'm not ripping off that show, but I am. Well, what Uh, are some of the other things people have said that they really want to get rid of? uh, Clean eating comes up too often, but that's clean eating. It's one of the trends that's been going in the UK a lot. Um, Just because I think a lot of people I interview... um, don't come from that point of view um, or they're bakers or they work uh-huh. in something very sweet and so they feel under attack from that. Okay. Um, but I think it's mainly because clean eating in the UK was presented as a trend about health mm-hmm. and there was no health knowledge to back it up yeah. in, in often case. Um, so that came up a lot. So we had to put a ban on people saying that mm-hmm. um, because it just happened too often. Well, it's funny that we have to label it. It's like detox. I know. Everyone's like, and you can't detox anything. You know. No, it's but not a thing. Just say green juice. Yeah. It's really good. Green yeah, juice yeah, yeah, yeah. is great. Like I a lot of those it. foods yeah. in that style are really delicious. Like yeah. talk about why it's tasty. And then, oh, by the way, it just happens Super to be bowl. It's like, okay, yeah. <laughs> also, I don't understand what a smoothie bowl is. Why is it in a bowl? bowl? Oh no, I haven't it's seen It's literally that. something you drink, but it's in a bowl. I'm like, are you spooning it? And I, mm. I swear it's been designed purely because they look pretty on Instagram. I swear that's huh. why. Okay. Um, Dory said she didn't like uh, kind of like pastry that hadn't been baked properly. So it right. was, you know, it was still really blonde and not yeah. full of flavor. Um, and then one of my friends, uh, Paula Young, who is an amazing chocolatier, mm. he said avocado. He can't stand avocado. Um, which I was really surprised at, actually, to be honest. Um, but yeah, we've had a variety of things, so it's intri- always intriguing to see what someone says. Well, people, I think, also have hostile reactions to things that are overused, especially yes. on Instagram. And <laughs> that's sort of unfortunate. Like, avocados are great. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. Although, I have to say, uh, um, interestingly, my ex was from California, and he refused to believe there was such things as a good avocado in the UK. So it was oh. impossible to find a good one. So I spent a lot of time trying to find the perfect one, and I, uh-huh. I managed to get a nod of approval so you know you know one thing like in california the mm-hmm. avocados are really good because the climate 
So oh, of course. But yeah, you, I mean, we get good avocados in France yeah. too. Someone so. was there was a picture of a donut I saw um, on an avocado it? donut. No, I'm sure that exists. <laughs> yeah. Uh, also, I, we we just found a new donut place. I'm like, oh, that looks interesting. And then you look at them like they're baked rounds of brioche. That's not a donut. Okay. But they've been dipped to look like that here. Yeah. Oh. And it was like really bright and colorful place, and they looked kind of. Very Krispy Kreme-esque, like really mm-hmm. colourful and very shiny. But it was just a baked brioche with glaze on top. I'm like, okay. I'm not sure that's a donut to me. Well, there's some bright. donut shops here in Paris. They're, I think they're owned by Americans. We did just go to Bone Shaker, oh. which is like the most American-style donut place ever and is pretty good. Um, anyway, thank you for coming on the podcast. Oh, well, thanks for inviting me. And My pleasure. Inviting me into my home. <laughs> it was great to have you here. And you, could, you were here... I think I met you and you came over for drinks about a year ago. I think it was about a year, so two years ago. the evolution ago, of my cuisine, my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, I think last time I came, I had had a disaster with an Airbnb and was looking for emergency <laughs> somewhere okay. to stay. So I ended up staying uh, with my friend Jane and then we went ended up having drinks to commiserate my okay. disastrous evening the night before. Um, when is the book actually out? November 7th. November 7th. So yeah. this actually... I think we'll be out either the week of or the week after. Um, so go and okay. order the book. Um, I have to say, it's been a really entertaining read so far. I will finish it tonight, I promise. Uh, but thanks again for joining me. Well, thank you. Thank you.